with you this evening. We thank God for bringing us together again for the study of his word. And we are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day that you have given us. A day that is full of blessings, oh God. A day that you have prepared in advance for us. And Lord, we thank you for bringing us again together to look into the mirror of your word. The entrance of your word, O oh Lord, brings light and it brings understanding. And by the working of your grace, we continue to walk in your light and in your power. So we pray that we will experience, oh God, transformation. We will experience healing, deliverance, wholeness, as we surrender to the Lordship of your word, to the Lordship of your spirit. Yes, Father, we ask you to have your way in our lives, in the name of Jesus. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor that you deserve, oh God, for what you have done, for what you are doing, and what you will yet do to glorify your name in us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where today we are looking at the second part of the message that we started uh, last week entitled, See What God Sees and Follow Him. Amen. See what God sees and follow him. Uh, to quickly uh, re recap some of the things that we said uh, in our last message, we saw that God wants to use us. Amen. God wants us to see what he sees. Amen. In other words, by seeing what he sees, we will be able to tap into his thinking, into his plans, into his purposes, and we will join him and we will follow him. You know, the word of God promises that God will perfect that which concerns us. Actually, Psalm 138 and verse eight tells us that God will perfect that which concerns us. So our cooperation with him is crucial. We must allow God to work in us and sanctify us unto him. You know, David said this, um, and I'm going to read from Psalm 27 and verse four. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. So 
we see that David says that there is one thing that he desires and he's going to seek after that thing. Amen. And what David desired was to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life and to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in the Lord's temple. So one thing that we draw from, uh, if I can say one lesson that we draw from this is that once we have found what we desire, like David found what he desires, and he went after it with everything that he had. He says, that will I seek after. So once we found our desire, then we must seek after it. Amen. And then in that same Psalm, Psalm 27, David goes on to say in verse 13, he said, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. So we see that David believed that he would see, that he would taste of God's goodness and faithfulness in fulfilling his promises. Hallelujah. And so, again, the word of God tells us that, you know, the, the desire of the righteous, amen, um, meaning a desire that is born out of God's word, which we call our hope, our earnest expectation. The Bible says that the desire of the righteous shall not be cut off. Amen. You find that in um, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 18. Actually, let me go ahead and read that passage for you. Proverbs 23, 18 says, for surely there is an end and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Praise God. And um, again, a confirmation of that is found in Proverbs 10 and verse 24, which, which says this. It says, the desire of the righteous shall be granted. Amen. So really, we must press on, hallelujah, by believing God's word, by appropriating it, by taking it, by you know, receiving it by faith and confessing the word and continue to swim against the current, amen, until we have whatever that the Lord has laid on our heart that we desire. Because we live right now in a world that is enemy territory that is against the plans and the purposes of God. So everything that God stands for, the world takes the opposite end. So if God gives us a desire, you can be sure that the enemy is going to fight it. It's going to fight you. It's going to fight it. So that's why I'm saying that 
we knowing that the desire that we have borne out of God's promise to us shall be granted, amen? And so we must be, we must take hold of that word and press against all opposition, swim against the current until we receive our breakthrough. Hallelujah. You see, the life of a Christian must be more than uh, just rules and guidelines to live by. It must be Jesus that is living his life through us. Just like, uh, you know, the apostle Paul says um, that he says, I am crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, he says, I live, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. And then he even goes on to say, and the life which I now live, I live in the flesh, that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. The life that he now lives in the flesh doesn't mean that he's walking in the flesh, meaning he's being rebellious. It means that the life that he's living as a human, as a person, amen, um, he is living it, surrendering it completely to God by faith in the son of God who loved him and gave himself for him or for us. Hallelujah. So as we saw in, in our last study, again, we are called to see what God says and follow him. In other words, we are to represent God in this world, to work with him, to advance his kingdom. And in order to do this, the very first thing that is required is our willingness to yield to him, to understand that it is no longer, like Paul says, I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Because we are not here for ourselves. We are here to represent God. We are, we've been placed here to follow after him, to be conformed to his image. Romans 8 and verse 29 tells us that, you know, God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And the Holy Spirit is working in the church to do just that, to bring us into that image, conform us into that image. Hallelujah. For, um, yes, so we thank God that this is his plan and his purposes for us. And we must be willing to yield to God's will. Hallelujah. You know, according to John 3, 16, which I'm sure all of us know, uh, we are told that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. So, if we have put our faith, amen, in Jesus Christ, then as he says, whosoever believeth. So if we believe in Jesus and we have placed our faith in him, amen, then we are born again and we have 
eternal life. Amen. Right here on the earth, we have eternal life. We don't have to wait until we die to have eternal life. Uh, there are so many uh, you know, religions, if I can call them as such, because Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a personal relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, if indeed we have received this eternal life, we should not accept the lies of these so-called religions that tell us that we have to wait until we, we die, until we leave this planet, amen, to finally have eternal life. No, having eternal life is having Jesus living inside of us. Jesus is alive. Jesus is well, and he is alive. Hallelujah. And if he lives in us, then we too are alive. Jesus will not dwell in anything that is dead because his plan and his purpose, praise God, is to quicken us, make us alive and transform us into his image. He cannot do that with dead people. And so we don't have to wait until we are dead in this world or our body dies and for us to go to heaven to have eternal life. We have it right here, right now, if we are born again. And because God wants to, to live his life through us, praise God. So we see that the Bible is not about uh, guiding us to live by ourselves, amen, just doing whatever we want. No, it is surrendering our life to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us, amen, and to guide us through the revelation of the word of God. You know, Jesus said that the word that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. So whenever we embrace the Lord Jesus, whenever we embrace the word of God, it is the spirit of God who is in us, who is working in us. Hallelujah. And the spirit is the spirit of the word. The spirit cannot work with anything else but the word of God. So when we allow the word of God to come into our life, then we then the spirit of God goes to work and changes us. Amen. And this is how Christ uh, will live in us and through us. Praise God. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says this. Um, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So we, what we see here is that the word who is a person, the word is not a thing, the word is a person, and the, this person is Jesus, amen? And the word has the power to penetrate us, to change us from the inside out, amen? And we see that um, the, the, 
Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, uh, verses 12 and 13, confirms the fact that the word is alive, that the word is able to penetrate us. Amen. Hallelujah. And change us. Let me go ahead and read that passage um, from Hebrews, verses 11 and 12. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we see here that the word is able to penetrate our spirit and our soul, our joints and our marrow, and is also a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Amen. So the word, there is nothing that can be hidden from the sight of the word. And when we allow the word to do its work in us, it removes from us what God did not plant. It replaces it with the thoughts and the life of God. And this is how the word is able to renew our mind and transform us. Praise God. This is how, again, as we go back to the verse that we had just read prior to this one, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in verses 17 and 18, we see how when we allow the, the, the word of God, hallelujah, to, to work in us, he says, um, let me go back to those verses again. It says in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, when we allow the spirit of God to be Lord indeed, to work in us, then he comes to bring liberty in our life, to set us free in areas where we were not free either at all or we were partially free. He comes to bring us into greater levels of freedom, into greater levels of glory. And that is why the second, this, the next verse, which is verse 18, says that we all with open face, meaning with sincerity of heart, we are open for the spirit of God, the spirit of the word to work in us. He says, when with open face, we are beholding as in a glass, meaning as in a mirror, the glory of God, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. We are beholding the word of God as in a mirror. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Praise God. So when we look into the word, we see a reflection. Amen. God shows us a reflection of who he is and wh where he is taking us. And he also, and by doing that, by showing us where he's taking us, he must also show us where we are. You see, that's why Psalm 119 tells us, uh, your word, I believe is verse 89, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The lamp unto our feet 
shows us our position where we are. And a light unto our path shows us where we are heading. Amen. And so, um, I'm sorry, it was not um, verse 89 of Psalm 119. Um, I'll think of it in a second. Praise God. Um, But definitely the word of God tells us that thy word, amen, is a lamp unto our feet. I think it's verse 105. I think it just clicked in my, my spirit now. Verse 105 of Psalm 119. And a light unto our path. So we need to know where we are and we need to know where we are heading. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so when we allow the spirit of God to work with the word to, to, to in us to do that, whatever God wants to do in us, as we study the word, as we meditate on the word, as we, with open face, with sincerity, we ask God for revelation, for, for, for God himself to change us. Amen. Then he takes us from one level of glory to another level. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so the word is indeed alive. The word is sharp and it will penetrate us. It will renew our mind. It will transform us. And again, uh, to reiterate what I said earlier, in Romans 8, 29, we are told that we are predestined. God has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Amen. So what we see is that God wants to change us inside out. The focus is inside. And it is when God's presence consumes us that nothing will be able to suppress his anointing in us. Hallelujah. And it is this anointing that will lead us to true success in life, that we will attain the place that God has uh, intended for us. Hallelujah. To be who he has called us to be and to do what he has called us to do. And that whole process takes surrender, yielding completely to the lordship of, of, of God, to the Lordship of the word, to the Lordship of the Holy Spirit. Notice that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, notice what the word of God tells us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Amen. Uh, And then he continues, verse four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
Amen. So what, what I mean, there is a lot here, but um, relative to relevant to our study, what I want us to notice is that number one, we are called to glory and virtue. But in order to get there to that place of glory and virtue, we see that it's all through knowledge and intimate knowledge. This is what he's referring to, not just intellectual knowledge, but intimate knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus. So we see that we must know that his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, have a knowing in our spirit because that has been revealed unto us. We must also have this intimate knowledge of that we have been given great and precious promises in order to be partakers of God's divine nature. Amen. So it all starts with this knowledge, this revelation knowledge. Amen. Not again, it's not an intellectual knowledge, but the revelation of the word must be branded in our heart. And therefore, it must have become one with us. I believe James chapter one and verse 21 has a word for that. When the word has become branded in us, it calls it the engrafted word, hallelujah. And um, I don't know if you you remember John um, John 15, that when Jesus says in verse seven, where he says, uh, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you will ask what you will and it will be done unto you by my father. Hallelujah. So uh, what, what I want to say here is, he says, if you abide, Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. So we see that there must be an abiding of you know, our willingness to stay, to dwell in the word of God, to a place where the word abides in us and we abide in the word. In other words, we become one with the word. Hallelujah. At that point, the word becomes engrafted in us. And it is at that point where there is a union between the word and us that we can ask under the, the, the leading, amen, under the inspiration of the word. What we ask, we will receive because it is not the flesh asking. It is God using us as channels to ask and so it came from him, the inspiration to ask came from him. We ask the right thing for the right thing in the right way, amen, according to God's perfect will. And because of that, then our prayers will be answered, amen. And so, you know, um, for example, um, it's, it's interesting to note that Romans chapter six and verse three starts by asking a question. Let's turn to Romans chapter six and we will look at verses three and four. Um, but Romans six, three starts with a question. It says, don't you know? 
This means that it is important for us to know. Amen? And know what? That is the question, a million dollar question, amen? So let's go ahead and read those verses. He says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him but by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Amen. So what the Lord wants us to know here is that we must know that there is a new life to which we are called because he has made provision. Hallelujah. And we are called to walk in that new life. And therefore, the Lord wants us to have an accurate mental picture or if I can call it uh, a perception of who we really are in the spirit, what Jesus has accomplished and who we are in him are truth that we must be established in so that just like Paul, we would know that everything contrary to us was nailed to the cross, was buried, hallelujah and that we are raised in life with Jesus Christ. So everything uh, contrary uh, to us speaks of uh, sickness, of death, of any kind of destruction, uh, confusion, poverty, anything that is challenging our well-being our spirit, soul, and body, our social relationships, everything that is not of, you know, God's perfect will for us. Amen. You know, um, in, um, in Colossians uh, chapter four, I'm sorry, chapter two, verses 14 and 15 explains this. Colossians 2, 14, 15. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So we see here, it's speaking about Jesus, amen? Nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, amen? Um, this again is very, uh, I mean, there's a lot to these verses, but uh, what we are looking at right now is that Jesus, when he arose from the dead, he left an eternally defeated Satan behind him. Hallelujah. You see, it says here that everything that was against us, 
that was nailed to the cross. Amen. And that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and he made a show of them openly. He triumphed over them in the cross. And not only was Satan defeated, but he was made a spectacle to all of creation. This is, that was the way the Romans used to do things. Um, when they went to war, they came back with those, when they won the war, they, they took prisoners with them. They took the booty, they took everything and brought it back to their leader, to their Caesar, amen. They paraded back into their, their city and the prisoners were in chain and everything that they had taken from the enemy. And they brought it back and displayed it to the people, displayed it to their Caesar. Amen. As the people shouted victory and they rejoiced. And this is what Jesus did. That's the picture that we, we need to see. That's the mental picture of perception. Amen. That we have to understand that Jesus not only defeated Satan, but he made a show of them, all of creation. Satan knows he's defeated. Amen. And the, the whole of all his kingdom, they know that they are all defeated. Amen. So God truly has made all things possible for us. This is the picture that we must see. When Jesus paraded Satan before all of creation, he paraded them before us as well, because he had us in mind. So we have to keep that picture in mind that Satan can only do but so much. And all he can do is lie, is deceive to make us think that there is something that, you know, that he has power, that he has authority. No, he has been stripped of it all. Amen. God has made all things possible for us. Therefore, God wants us to see Jesus's victory over Satan being manifested in his new creation, that is us, praise God. And moreover, we are told that not only has he done that, but that he has taken us and raised us up together with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, amen. So truly our faith should be active. Amen. It should not be paralyzed so we can take hold of our privileges, no matter what they are. Uh, when we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in and becomes one with our spirit. And we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1 and verse 13, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Praise God. And so, um, you know, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead, the immeasurable, unlimited power has been put inside the born again believer that is inside you and inside me. Amen. The Holy Spirit quicken Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is the one who now lives inside of us. The Bible says that he, even in Rome, uh, Romans 8, 11, that he quickens also, not just have we been quickened inside, but even our mortal bodies are being quickened by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so there is a life, there is an abundant life to the believer. What in the Greek is called the Zoe life that has been put in the inside of us. That is why 1 John 4 and verse 17 says that as he is, so are we in this world. It is because all the anointing and grace that we need and everything that we need to differentiate us from the world, amen, has been put inside of us. And it is that anointing is in the word of God. And the more we stay in the word, the more the word will transform us into its image. And so there is power in the word to dispel anything contrary to it, anything that is of darkness. And when we walk in the light of the word that is in the will of God, anything that opposes us is coming against God himself. And this is truly the place of intimacy, intimate knowing of God that, way, that, that God wants us to be. Hallelujah. To know that there is such a union between God and us that when the enemy comes against us, it is he's coming against God himself. Amen. And uh, because you see, in order, when we say that we know God, it must be that more than an experience, I mean, more than a head knowledge, more than intellectual knowledge, it must be that we're experiencing what God what the word of God has promised us. Hallelujah. We must be living out the word. Jesus is living. Hallelujah. And therefore he wants to live in his life through us. And the way that we do that is to put his word inside of us, invite the Holy Spirit to take over and work in us. And as we do that, the more of the living Jesus will we experience in our life. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is life. And in, in Romans chapter eight and verse two, we are told that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free of the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Notice the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free of the law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the regulating. It is the activating power and life of the Holy Spirit that has set us free 
from the power of sin that has set us free from hell and has set us free from the grave. Hallelujah. And we can say that we are therefore with the spirit of God in us, we are well able to resist the enemy. Amen. The spirit of God and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus operates within us. And therefore we are able to disallow what God has not allowed. Amen. God has put us here to overturn every table of exchange set up by the enemy in our life. Hallelujah. We do that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And declare that we have a, a divine destiny to bring light, to bring hope, to bring solution to others because it's not only about us. So he starts with us and then extends his life through us to touch other lives, other people, amen. I don't know if you remember um, Lot, Abraham's nephew. The Bible tells us that Lot was blessed, amen. But when you look at it, God didn't have any covenant with Lot. God had a covenant with Abraham and God blessed Lot because Abraham was blessed and had become a source of blessing to others. Amen. He allowed God to use him to bring blessings to humanity. And so the same, it, in the same way, our divine destiny is waiting and the Lord Jesus is waiting for us. Amen. Let's turn for a moment to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, new things have, be have come Oh, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg of you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. What I'd like you to note here is that there are four, four things, actually. Number one, that we are told that we are new creations in Christ. Number two, that we are reconciled to God. Number three, that we have received 
a ministry which is called the ministry of reconciliation. Amen. And number four, that we are ambassadors of God. Hallelujah. So, um, you know, in essence, this is what the, this passage is telling us. That Christ is in us as ambassadors, pleading through us for the world to be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Let me repeat that. Christ is in us as ambassadors, pleading through us for the world to be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. In other words, he's using us as his channels to call others to him. God doesn't really need us when you think about it, but he chooses to work in us and with us. He chooses to wait for us to become mature sons who have his mind and who are able to work with his creation so that it can come to its fullness. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and, and uh, look a little deeper, deeper in, um, into what it is to allow ourselves, uh, allow who we are now in Christ, our true identity, to be used by God to impact the world. I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 which tells us that everyone born of God overcomes the world. And he says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Amen. So we see that we have the ability and power to overcome the world and to occupy until Jesus returns. Just think of it. Jesus started uh, his, what he called his, he himself, he called it his father's business. He started uh, it very early in life. At the age of 12, we see him uh, spending days in the temple. Actually, I think three days. Uh, he was discussing scriptures with the leaders and or teachers uh, in the temple. And his parents had been looking for him, couldn't find him, but they found him after those three days. And what did Jesus tell them? Somebody might think it's strange, but this is what he said. That's found in Luke chapter two and verse 29. Jesus told them, you know, why did you seek me? Didn't not you know that I must be about my father's business? Amen. So, you know, here it is in Luke 2.29 that, you know, way, way, way before 
we even look at Jesus entering his full-time ministry, that he is making this comment and saying, you know, to his mother and adopted father, didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? You know, at such a young age, his concern was about the father's business. And, um, you know, accordingly, we see that after Jesus purchased our redemption and our deliverance from sin with his own blood, amen, that he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us with his own life. So we too could be about the father's business. And he told his disciples that as my father has sent me, even so I send you, amen. And so are we his disciples? Well, yes, if indeed we have given our life to him and we are living for him, we are his disciples. And therefore, if we are, then we too are sent to do business in the name of the one who raised the dead, who healed the sick and has power over darkness. Amen. Our mandate is from him. He has made us heirs of the kingdom of God. And consequently, the kingdom is family business. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the tools and the spiritual abilities that he gives us to carry out the work of our family business. In other words, we are sons who are at work in our father's business. And if we are not going to follow in Jesus's example and serve, the point is that we may be sons, but we would be sons without power because we don't need power if we are not going to do anything. You see, God is a God of purpose. Whatever he gives, it's, it's for us to use towards that purpose. Amen. Hallelujah. So we don't need power to do nothing. <laughs> we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do business in this kingdom. And this is why Jesus told us to pray that the Father's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, when we think of um, the creation, uh, the very beginning there in the Bible, Genesis chapter one, we see that in the very beginning, God created light, amen. Uh, verse three, Genesis one, three, he commanded light be and light was. And it's not really until verse 16 that God created the sun and the moon and the stars. What we need to understand is that God was confronting the prince of darkness 
which is synonymous to the absence of his presence, of God's presence. Because when God created, you know, everything, you know, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. And it doesn't tell us that there was anything wrong with God's creation. God doesn't create anything that is chaotic, anything that is, has no order or that is formless. So between Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1 and verse 2, something happened. And it says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So God decided then that he would step into the picture and create order. And this is where he was confronting the prince of darkness. Amen. And he issued the order, light be and light was. Hallelujah. Praise God. And this is the very thing that God is continually doing. When he later on in Genesis 1, actually 126, we see the Godhead speaking. He says, let us make men in our own image and, li and likeness. Amen. Hallelujah. God had commanded the light to come forth. He unveiled himself and darkness was pushed out. And he created men. Hallelujah. And we know that men fell from his glory. But Jesus came to restore men to that glory. He came to restore many sons to glory. And even now, Jesus is in us, is pushing the darkness. Amen. And we must know that the devil is afraid of the glory of the sons of God. By virtue of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because the Bible tells us Christ in us, the hope of glory. Satan knows it. Amen. So according to the word of God, those who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen. And we have received the spirit of adoption, Romans 8 tells us, verse 17, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The word Abba means daddy. It, is, it, it denotes a closeness and intimacy with our father, with our daddy. So through the new birth, we are now children of God. We are heirs of his kingdom. We are co-heirs with his son, Christ Jesus. And God has given us full authority. Hallelujah. The same way that God gave full authority to Adam to rule over creation. Do you know what his job was? His job was to oversee what had already been created. God had made, um, actually let's, 
I'm reading from the Amplified, verses four and five in Genesis chapter two. It says that the Lord had made the earth and the heavens. There were no shrub or plants of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprouted for the Lord God had, had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Amen. Hallelujah. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that notice that God created all of this. God confronted the darkness. God created men. He gave Adam authority. But yet, notice that there, was no, there were no shrubs or plants in the field because according to the word of God, there had been no rain. So it appears here that the reason God had not released the rain was because men had not either been created and there was no one to cultivate it. And so the point that I'm making is that man was not made for creation, but creation was made for man. And when man doesn't take his place, and by man here, I'm speaking about the sons of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we are one with him. We are his body. Amen. When we do not take our place, there is a vacuum and things do not grow. Things are not, actually, they are not even allowed to grow. Amen. Because there is a work that must be done. By whom? By us. Amen. You see, the, the, the word of God, uh, Romans 8, verses 19 to 20 says that the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Amen. In other words, when Adam fell, everything that he had oversight of became subject to his failure and the devil took dominion over Adam and Eve and the creation that had been given to them to cultivate. What does the word cultivate means? It means to bring to its full potential. And so we now see that Jesus came to not only redeem and buy back mankind with the payment of his blood, but also to redeem everything. Even creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So it's not only about us. Creation itself needs to be redeemed. Hallelujah. So the Lord wants to flood our lives with the same power that raised Christ from the dead, hallelujah. And in doing that, he's not seeking only to improve us or enlighten us, but he wants us to become Christ-like. He desires that, we, that our confidence in life 
would be drawn from his union with us. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so this leads us back to the matter of knowing our identity, knowing who we are and acknowledging that we are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in us. As we have said in the last uh, lesson, and I keep repeating again, God desires to live and move. That is to operate his very life in us. We are his temple. Amen. And so if we think of ourselves as such, then we must totally give ourselves to him, trust him, depend on him for everything. Praise God. So, you know, just as we, we read here from Romans 8, 19, that creation is anxiously longing, waiting uh, eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. In that same chapter, verse 22, it says that for we know that the whole creation groans and travels in pain together until now. Hallelujah. You know, the amplified version says this, for we know that the whole creation has been mourning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. It means that creation is groaning. It is waiting for the sons of God, that is you and I, us, to step into our place, step into our, um, our redemptive role, amen, and to be Christ-like, in other words, to think as Jesus thinks, to speak as he speaks, amen. And, you know, God who is sovereign can do anything that he wants to do, but he's choosing to work through his sons. The, 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 the creation is mourning, amen, for the manifestation of the sons. So as we mentioned earlier, you know, God blessed Lot because Abraham was blessed and had allowed God to use him as a blessing to his generation and all generations to come. Jesus came and he was the solution and is the solution for all who have needs and we all have needs, hallelujah. You know, when he came, we saw him perform miracle after miracle. Actually it's written in the, in the word that, in the Bible that there are not enough books. You know, you couldn't write enough, you know, the world doesn't have room if we were to write books on what Jesus has done. We see one example at the pool of Bethsaida where an infirm man could not get into the water. What did Jesus do? He brought the water to the man. Waters symbolizing healing, the waters of healing, the waters of salvation, amen. Jesus went on purpose through a place called Samaria 
to have an encounter with a Samaritan woman to bring her the well of salvation and deliverance, the water of life, hallelujah. In the temple, he overthrew the table of money changers, signifying his overthrow of the exchange tables that the enemy set in our life. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. Hallelujah. So in closing, let me say that God is reminding us over and over again that our identity is in his word, that our divine destiny is waiting, that he is waiting, amen, and that the world is waiting for his ministry to be manifested through us. He wants to work through us, through signs, through wonders that prove that we serve God. Hallelujah. The God that we say we serve is the real God. That there is indeed a God in heaven who is involved in the affairs of men, in the affairs of his people. Hallelujah. We are sent to do business in his name. And like him, we are called to disallow what he has not allowed to be solution centers, to bring light and to bring hope to others. So truly our destination is nothing less than oneness with Christ. And all fruitfulness comes from living in spiritual union with him. If we offer service to God and it is not the result, that service is not the result of our union with him, then that labor is in vain. Unless the Lord builds a house, did that labor, labor in vain. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Amen. And John tells us, John the apostle tells us in his first epistle, that those who say that they abide in him ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. Amen. So abiding in Jesus leads to seeing what he sees, to walking like he walks, and following him in all things. And he is waiting for this, for the manifestation from, of his sons. Hallelujah. God is waiting for the manifestation of his sons to fill the earth for his glory, for the advancement of his kingdom, and for our own rejoicing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word to us today. For the fresh anointing of your spirit, stirring us to arise in faith, in hope, in love, 
to do what you divinely designed us to do, O Lord. We pray, O Lord, that you would help us see ourselves. Help us to see, yes, Lord. See ourselves as you see us. To develop that divine image inside of us so that we can picture ourselves, O Lord, ministering to others. Do it in your power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do the very work of Jesus that he said we were destined to do. And then Lord, let your love move us to step in faith, to do whatever your Holy Spirit leads us to do, to obey your prompting, oh God, and, for conf- and we thank you, Lord, for confirming, oh Lord, your work with signs following. We thank you for enabling us to fulfill our destiny and letting the world see Jesus through us. Hallelujah. For this, we say thank you. And we give you all glory, all honor, and all praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And amen. God bless you. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we invite you to come again at the table of the Lord next Wednesday at the same time.